I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with Dr. Kulpreet Barn. He is the Medical Director of Heart Failure at Deborah Heart and Lung Center in Burlington County. So quick review of heart failure. It doesn't mean the heart has stopped working. Heart failure is a broad term that we use when the heart doesn't pump enough blood to your body and meet the demands of the body's tissues and you have symptoms. And uh, there are different types of heart failure. Uh, there's one type of heart failure where the heart muscle gets so weak it doesn't pump blood, and that's called systolic heart failure or heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. And the second common type is where the heart doesn't fill properly, and that's called heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. So they, these are the usual people say congestive heart failure, heart failure. These are common words used, but usually that's usually the background, uh, that the heart is not meeting the demands of the body. So I saw a statistic, one out of every five people will develop heart failure over the course of their lifetime. That seems kind of high. Why? Many reasons, because I think um, risk factors are key. Um, hypertension is very common. That leads to heart failure. Diabetes is very common. That leads to heart failure. High cholesterol, hardening of the arteries that are on top of the heart, uh, they can all cause heart failures. So these are very common diseases uh, that left untreated will damage the heart and even other organs. And uh, that's why these are very common diseases. And that's why it's very, uh, if left untreated, uh, you have a very high chance of developing heart failure. And some other statistics I'll throw out, uh, there's about 6 million people uh, with heart failure uh, living in the United States. Uh, half are the one, the two types, half 50% are heart failure with preserved ejection fraction where the heart doesn't relax properly. And 50% are the ones where the heart doesn't pump properly. And uh, there are about m 1 million new cases every year in the United States of heart failure. And about a quarter million people die every year of heart failure. So it's a, it's a very common uh, disease process. It's usually the number one diagnosis of in a hospital admission or of patients leaving a hospital in the United States. So it's very common and, and it's mostly because of the risk factors. There are different symptoms that will signal possible heart failure. So shortness of breath with everyday activities, what's going on there if you're experiencing that with heart failure? So as I mentioned before, um, you know, heart failure essentially is, um, in a nutshell, all the diseases that can damage the heart in many different ways where the heart is not able to pump enough blood to your organs. When the heart is not able to pump enough blood to your organs, so that's why it's very common for you to feel short of breath, uh, fatigue, uh, tired the heart not able to pump fluid out of your body so your legs will swell up. Uh, you will have, because the fluid is, you're holding on to fluid, people will gain weight, their pants will get tighter. So these are the kind of symptoms that, that, uh, that happen. Usually it's, most patients, it's not one symptom. It's usually a combination of things. Uh, but certainly, there, are, especially younger patients, you can have just one of the symptoms. It's not uncommon for young people to walk around with bad hearts and not even know it. So because you're trying to pinpoint it and there may be some diagnosis via exclusion, how do you diagnose heart failure? So I think if, if you're a patient uh, living um, at home, I think some of the alarming things I would worry about is changes, right? Um, changes meaning that, you know, um, a year ago I could run two miles on the treadmill and now I can't do it. Uh, don't blame it up being out of shape. Or patients will say that, um, you know, I used to love playing golf, and I avoid doing that now because I get short of breath. So any changes in your lifestyle in the short term or somewhat of an intermediate term over six months to one year 
with the combination of symptoms of shortness of breath or leg swelling, that should be a red flag if I'm a patient, that uh, you need to see a cardiologist or a heart failure specialist. And the way we diagnose is first we take good history, physical examination, and then if we're very suspicious, we'll run some tests, uh, some blood work, and an ultrasound of the heart, which is basically just taking pictures of the heart. It takes us a very safe test. It's non-invasive. It doesn't hurt you in any way. And we got a lot of great information, and, and that's how we sort of come up to a diagnosis. Once we diagnose that you have some sort of a heart problem, then you, we run further tests. But that's usually a starting point. Uh, patients get alarmed, they come to us, and then we take pictures of the heart, which is called an echocardiogram, an ultrasound of the heart, and uh, we're able to diagnose it. Does a failing heart look very different from a healthy heart? Absolutely. Um, the Like I said, the two types of heart failure are where the heart doesn't pump enough or doesn't relax enough. When it doesn't pump enough, the heart will blow up like a balloon. Uh, instead of a muscle, when it doesn't relax enough, usually that heart will become small, it'll become thick. Um, so th- they, they do have characteristic changes um, um, that we see. So with all of these tests that you need to run, can't you cut to the chase and just take that picture and see that clearly this is a failing heart? No, we do. We do. That. I just was giving a broad um, uh, examination what we do. But usually, yes, that's the cornerstone, the diagnosis. When somebody comes in, they're short of breath. Their majority of these patients will get an ultrasound of the heart or we will take pictures. But we also add certain blood work that, uh, that helps us. Because, of course, blood work can tell you about maybe some other conditions that it can impact it. Okay, so there is no cure for heart failure, but there is management. Um, yes, vast majority of the patients who will develop heart failure are usually uh, it's usually permanent damage. But there are certain diseases that are reversible, certain infections, uh, certain inflammations, uh, certain stresses that the heart can have. Uh, certain sometimes, um, if the heart's electrical system doesn't work properly, uh, it can cause damage to the heart. But if you fix that electrical system uh, with medications or procedures, the heart can recover. So it's nothing written in stone that it can't recover. Actually, when we first see a patient with heart failure, the first thing we look for are things that we can, remember I told you the blood work, that's part of the reason why we do those blood work is we're looking for things that we can do to hopefully reverse the damage. So certain patients we can, but but majority of the patients you can't because it's longstanding, uh, but uh, but that's, that's how we sort of look at them. Now, there are stages, uh, just like cancer, uh, there are stages A through uh, D, A meaning that you're at risk for having heart failure, D means that your heart failure is so bad that you're beyond medications, that you need a heart transplant or heart pump, and B, C is sort of in the middle. So we do have stages and we manage them differently, and that's uh, obviously the, that's why, you know, they come to me and we sort of sort those things out. The pharmaceutical toolbox for heart failure today is enormous. So what do you got in there? Yeah, I mean, 30 years ago, if you talk to any of the physicians or even uh, look at the history or the medications out there, we had maybe one medication uh, out there, two medications out there. Now, in 2018, we have almost, uh, just off the top of my head, five or six classes of medications. Classes, not just drugs. There are further drugs in each of those classes. But five or six classes of medications that we can use, and they work. Absolutely. You know, these medications make you live longer and uh, and uh, feel better and uh, stay out of the hospital. That's what we give them. And also, in addition to that, as you, as you progress, there are certain pacemakers, or we can do procedures to treat the hardening of the arteries with bypasses and stents that we can buy more time. And then, of 
course, God forbid, if things progress, we even have further tools now, heart transplantation, heart pumps that we can put on these patients. So the, the, the lifetime of a heart failure patient in the United States has changed dramatically over the last 30 years. It's no longer a, a death sentence. As long as you see care and, and you see an experienced team who will look at you globally, not just from a heart failure standpoint, uh, these patients do really well. And I think most premier centers in the region are opting to creating a chronic disease management center or a heart failure, advanced heart failure center, where it's not just about medications. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, these patients are categorized appropriately. And then depending on where, where they stand in their disease process, they get the appropriate treatment and have the best outcome. Now, there are ways you can at, l- at least strive to prevent heart failure. And I guess some of these might apply if you are at one of those early stages to prevent it advancing? Just common sense things as uh, no smoking, no heavy drinking, uh, avoiding drugs. If you have high blood pressure and diabetes, get appropriate treatment. It's a lot easier to take a blood pressure pill than to develop heart failure five years down the line or 10 years down the line and having needing a transplant. Uh, you know, getting your risk factors, taking care of cholesterol. Uh, so all those things. And also if you have symptoms, uh, don't ignore them. Getting earlier treatment. The earlier you start your treatment, the better the outcome. So, so all those things can uh, prevent or delay the progression if you develop heart failure. So I think, yes, absolutely. I think risk factors, weight loss, nutrition, uh, staying away from bad habits, that will prevent heart failure. I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with Dr. Kulpreet Barn. He is the medical director of heart failure at Deborah Heart and Lung Center in Burlington County. So there are some surgical procedures, and one of those that you mentioned is a pump. Lots of different kinds of pumps. Describe what, uh, what pumps you're talking about for heart failure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Deborah, uh, the unique thing with Deborah is that, you know, Deborah as an organization made a strong commitment a few years back to uh, treat, taking care of patients in the region for heart failure. And, and we decided to start a advanced heart failure program. This program is not just about heart pumps or transplant. It's a comprehensive program, meaning a complete program, probably one of the only regional uh, program that's led by a, a very experienced team uh, of uh, physicians and nurse practitioners and surgeons, where we basically are able to to take a patient at any stage and take care of them. We have uh, risk factors to pills, to pacemakers. Uh, and now uh, in the coming couple of months, we'll be start doing heart pumps at Deborah as well. We're getting a lot of uh, experienced surgeons to help us with that. So that's coming on the pike here as well. So I think that's what, what you, you will get um, uh, at Deborah if you come here is uh, a comprehensive approach, not just one thing. Uh, so, we, you know, we are able to take care of the um, majority of these patients here at Deborah. And that's the commitment the organization has made uh, to, the, to patients in South Jersey. As you mentioned, the pump, uh, there's a lot of uh, excitement and, and lot, there's a lot of questions I get all the time about this. So these pumps were designed uh, because there are only about 2,200 heart transplants done in the United States. And there are thousands of people waiting for heart transplant who would die waiting for heart transplant. So this technology was designed to keep those patients alive to transplant, or if you can't have a transplant, they can just stay on this pump. And there's been a lot of progress over the last 20 years, and now we're up to the third-generation pump that was FDA-approved this year. So anyways, these pumps are basically uh, heart pumps where we surgically open up the chest, put the pump in tandem with the with the heart, and the, the, the pump takes over the complete function of the heart, and patients can live with these pumps for years. We have somebody in our practice uh, who had the heart pump put in eight years ago, and uh, she's been living her life. Of course, she's uh, it changes your life, but uh, but you know you would breathe better, you'll live your life, you'll travel. Uh, but of course, you're gonna have to take care of the pump, and uh, there are things that come with it. So that's what how these pumps are essentially put in. Uh, you have to run the pump with external batteries, so the pump patients have to wear these batteries. Uh, but you know, once again, we don't put this heart pump uh, at stage A or B. We put these heart pumps when it's life or death, and the 
patients are so short of breath or so sick that the the pills and pacemakers are not going to work. So this heart pump is uh, currently not available anywhere in South Jersey. It can only be placed at certain regional centers. Uh, but Deborah has, like I said, made a strong commitment a couple of years ago that we want to bring this technology uh, to South Jersey, to our institution, so we can help people. You know, these are patients who are elderly patients. It's hard for them to drive an hour and a half uh, to get these pumps put in. So they're going to, in the com- in the coming couple of months, uh, Deborah is going to be up and running. And uh, these patients do not have to travel long distances to get care. Uh, it'll be in their neighborhood. And the official name of, of the pump is a ventricular assist device. And you guys are going to do the LVAD, the left ventricular assist device. Now, because it's doing all the work of the heart, essentially, it's not like you want to turn it off and put the battery pack aside to take a shower or a bath or something. I mean, this is, this is a lifestyle change to stay alive on this thing. I always tell patients when I first meet them, uh, when they come to me, uh, usually when they're so sick, is that it's like, think of it this with a left ventricle cyst device or a heart pump. Think of it as, as replacing one set of problems with another set of problems. But what you get in return is you live longer and you live. Uh, you can go to the boardwalk. You can go to Florida. You know, you can go to Europe. Because these patients, when I meet them, are so short of breath, or their life has changed so much dramatically that you know they can't even take a shower or can't even go to get their mail. So these pumps make you live longer, and they actually make you your living. You're not existing. So yes, uh, I always, it comes with its own package. But usually, um, in, in 2018, the technology has gotten so good that it's very doable. And there are thousands of patients uh, in the United States living with that. And, and in fact, at Deborah too now, even as of today, if you have a heart pump, we have the full capability of taking care of these patients in our clinic. If they need an echocardiogram, if they're sick, they don't need to go two hours away. We can certainly manage all the complications at Deborah. But the actual pump implant will happen in the next couple of months, hopefully. What has you excited coming down the road in the pipeline for heart failure treatment? I think we've sort of maximized our medications. But I think there's, of course, going to be probably some more drug development. But I think the future of heart failure is really going to be, is, uh, like I said, the transplant volume has been the same. Uh, there's only 2,200 transplants done in the United States, and that's likely not going to become 10,000. Okay, um, But I think heart pumps are probably going to be the future uh, of heart failure. I think as these pumps become smaller, smarter, uh, that you don't need any external driveline or power source, they become more internal. We're going to be able to use them in even earlier stages. Because right now, as you can imagine, we use it at the end stage. But if these devices are more efficient and safer, we can use it at earlier stages as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of device therapy and heart failure because it's a mechanical problem. Uh, so mechanical problems will need a mechanical solution. So I think down the road, I think that's the feature. I think in the coming five years, uh, look out for these devices becoming smaller, smarter, and more internal. Uh, and once that happens, I think the complication rates, they've already gotten better. The, the, the device that uh, came out this year, uh, they've eliminated certain complications that we were seeing. Uh, so they're definitely getting smarter, and this is not 30 years from now. I think in the coming five years, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot more new devices, I think, coming down the pike. So if a patient or a loved one of a patient wanted to find out more about treatment for heart failure at Deborah, how do they get in touch with you and your center? Our website is demanddeborah.org. And uh, on that website, there's information for not only heart failure, if you have any other questions or if you need a a certain valvular, if you have a certain valvular condition like aortic stenosis or regurgitation or anything you need from a cardiac standpoint, all the information is available on that website. Uh, all our information of our team, 
uh, how to contact us, how to make an appointment, uh, all that information is on the website. And also we have uh, educational material on the website for you to look at what a heart pump is, what other things that we do. Keep in mind, this is Deborah, we're not only just going to be doing the heart pump, we also do pacemakers, defibrillators, if you need a stent in the heart, as well as if you need open heart surgery or bypass prior to you know end-stage heart failure. So there are other things available at Deborah. LVADs have been used about 20 years, but that by no means means that they're commonplace. Yes and no. They don't happen all the time. If you're at a coronary center, meaning if you're a very specialized center, uh, it's not uncommon to see patients with heart pumps. And that's why this technology is uh, expanding uh, dramatically because, uh, you know, there's more sites that are available. See, a lot of times these end-stage patients just died uh, because the therapy wasn't available. And the more it's available, the more patients are getting it. So it's not... Um, that every patient will need it, but it's definitely not an uncommon thing if you work at a specialized center. It's actually very common uh, for a cardiologist to see a patient uh, in their lifetime with a heart pump. I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with Dr. Kulpreet Barn. He is the medical director of heart failure at Deborah Heart and Lung Center in Burlington County.